Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, welcome to this week's Flourishing in Isolation. Um, A week is a long time at the moment, isn't it? And we just thought it'd be great as Freedom Church to find another time during the week we can connect up or we can meet up and just share how each other are doing. So I hope you're doing okay. I'd love to hear from you. We have an ability to communicate here on this programme. So if you want to contact us, get in touch, hit the connect thing, chat to our hosts online, we'd love to hear from you. And if you've got any questions, do send them through. Uh, We'd love to answer your questions questions in this midweek session so if you've got them send them to me um, to our email address office at freedomchurch.uk and we'd love to hear from you although you're doing my week's been a bit crazy we've uh, been stuck in isolation and I got banished to my bedroom as I was showing some mild symptoms and I spent pretty much most of the last week in my room which is why we're coming from here not from our church studios this is our kitchen and it's great to have you in our in the Dendi home. I hope you're doing okay. I hope life at home is okay. It's not great. It's not easy. We understand that these are un- nervous, un- unprecedented sorry, times, unusual times, challenging times. But our God is constant and consistent. We put our trust in him at this time. And so the aim of these midweek sessions is to try and learn from the Apostle Paul. And we learned last week, and remember those of you who joined us last week, we talked about Paul being under house arrest for two years. I mean, I was struggling after a few days. Paul managed two years. And we want to learn how we flourish the way that Paul flourished. He wrote some of his greatest letters while he was inside that prison, inside that house arrest. He wrote some of his best Stuff And so last week we talked about uh, the four different books that are there, the uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon, which we're going to cover over the next few weeks. We talked last week about how, like Paul, we should be an encourager, uh, that we should make sure we take time to encourage one another, to look out for each other. We also talked about staying Christ-centred, to be worshippers who worship God, who give him our time and our energy and our words and to also make sure we're enjoying living simply. We have the opportunity to live simply in this enforced Sabbath season. How do we learn from the Apostle Paul who chose to live simply? So three things we learned last week, be encouraged, stay Christ-centered, and to live simply. And so what we're gonna do is every week, we're gonna just take some time to unpack those four prison letters that Paul wrote. And now I've been thinking about this for all last week, thinking, how are we gonna do this? So normally at Freedom Church, when I do a teaching series, uh, we think about how many weeks we've got. We've got, you know, so many weeks in a year. We tend to run our teaching programs four weeks at a time or six weeks at a time. And then we chop up the theme, we chop up the book, the the Bible character, whatever it is we're going to do. And uh, we know how long it's going to take. Well, we're in a season we don't know what this is going to take. We've no idea how long this process will be. So here's my plan, and it may not be the plan you want to hear, but we could do four weeks. We could do one week per book of the Bible. That's going to be tough. Ephesians is a big book with lots of stuff in there. Um, We could just do 15 weeks. That's one week per chapter of each book. Or my preferred option is we're just going to see how we go. We're going to do about 30 minutes every Wednesday evening live, and you can watch it again in repeat. Um, But we're going to just give this to you as an opportunity to connect to build. So get your Bibles out if you haven't read them already or had a chance since last time. Um, The four books again were Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. 
But today we're going to start with Ephesians. So do get hold of your Bible, open it up. I recommend using, I do, you use a, a real Bible if you can. What I find is when I read from my iPad or other devices, a little notification comes up. It's my turn to play my wife on Scrabble. That's what we're doing at the moment in isolation. Um, what other things could you be doing? Suddenly notifications and social media stuff pings up in your face where with a real Bible, you can concentrate on the words and hopefully we'll be able to put the words on the screen as well for you. So we're going to start with Ephesians, which is such a rich book. And before we start, I just want to say, do again, send your questions in. If you have stuff that this conjures up, think, oh, I'd love to know more about that. Send them in. Uh, I'm not an expert at everything, but I can always find answers or point you in the right direction. And send them to our email address, office at freedomchurch.uk. We'd love to hear from you, engage with you. So this is more interactive, if at all possible. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Apostle Paul who wrote such great words for us to learn from many, many years later. May today, at this moment in time that we are dealing with here in April 2020, will we learn something from the Apostle Paul and where we flourish in isolation, I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you start with Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one is a good place to start. And Ephesians is this rich, deep book. It's not a letter that's specifically to a person. Paul knew people in the town of Ephesus where this letter was being sent to. And normally he would write letters to people and he would address them to that person. But this is more of a circular to the churches in the area. These are small developing Christian communities that are starting to pop up in that space. If you can imagine with me, if you will, uh, the city of Ephesus in the first century. Can you imagine you're walking down that high street, seeing what is available to you? And there would be lots of shrines all around you, shrines to gods and goddesses. Uh, the goddess Roma. Roma was the Roman god who was like the worship of the Roman Empire. People would often try and keep on the good side of the Romans by worshipping the goddess Roma. And often many of these temples, they would be dedicated to various gods and goddesses, and they would have their cult prostitutes, people who would offer themselves for sexual encounters, that people could connect with the gods in this manner. And then at the other extreme, right in the centre of Ephesus, if you look in Acts chapter 19, it talks about this in more detail. You have the temple of Artemis or Artemis. Now, Artemis was run completely by female priests, priestesses, and they were all virgins. Uh, they hadn't had sex yet, and they would abstain from sex. And they would say that was the most uh, effective way of staying in touch with their God. And they would also promote superiority of women, of, of, of female priests, of being in charge. And so you had this diverse uh, activity going on in this first century of Ephesus. You also had Judaism uh, going on. There was a synagogue in Ephesus. This historical movement started by this prophet Moses. The people would go and they would have a look at, but probably wouldn't fully engage like they used to. I mean, after all, who, who wants to get circumcised just to become part of a latest religion when there's so many different options available to you? And so all this stuff is going on around you. If you go into the marketplace, you would come across the philosophers and their students talking with each other. You'd have the cynics basing, uh, teaching basic morality is the way to be godly. You have the stoics who would be saying that, that God is in everything and we just need to live in harmony with God by living amongst all the things we're part of. And then you'd have people like the what we call the Epicureans. 
And they were they didn't believe in a God. They just believed in personal pleasure. And that was the aim for life. But that was on the high street in Ephesus. Down some side alleyways, in a hired little room, would be a group of people, a group of believers, a, a people that would call themselves part of the way. And these little groups of people, these Christians, these Christ followers, these little Christians, or little Christs, so be known as, followers of the way, had been started by the Apostle Paul some years earlier. And they were springing up, these small community groups of people who believed in this man, this prophet, this miracle worker called Jesus, who had died some 30 years previously in Jerusalem. And they were still carrying on, still trying to live the same way that Jesus lived, and to live the same way that he talked about. You have this diverse, uncertain city full of opportunity and options, not dissimilar to today. And into the middle of Ephesus, Paul writes this round robin, this circuit to new communities to help them as they form church, as they begin to understand what it means to create a vibrant, Christ-centred community. And so this, this words, these words that Paul wrote in Ephesus has encouraged the church for generations, for centuries, and we get to benefit from it today. Paul may have been on lockdown, but he was offering a new way of seeing their reality, even though they were miles apart from each other. And we may not be connected right now, but hopefully when I open up the words of Ephesians 1, we can all benefit from learning together. So that's a little bit of an introduction to what Ephesus might have looked through. So here we go. Let's get straight on into the word for the time we've got left, shall we? Ephesians 1, uh, this letter, and I'm reading, sorry, from the New Living Translation. New Living Translation It's just my preferred version. You can choose whichever version you prefer. Um, but here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's Paul's stand the beginning, but then he commands these blessings. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's amazing, isn't it, already? This is Paul under house arrest. He is already saying that God has blessed us because our relationship is there with Christ. I mean, I, I struggled after five days of feeling of isolated, feeling blessed. I'm thinking, am I blessed? This is not fun. I wasn't enjoying being apart from my family. I wasn't enjoying missing out on contact with friends. And yet Paul, under house arrest, is saying this is a blessed season, that we are blessed. And he goes on and says in verse 4, which I think is such a beautiful verse, which we should all be underlining in our Bibles right now, that even before he made the world, God did three things. He loved us, he chose us, and he sees us as faultless. Three incredible things. We could just stop here. We could just stop and go, you know, that's pretty impressive to start off with. We could just stop here. God loves us, he chose us, and we are faultless. That's how he sees us. One of the strongest urges of the human race is to be loved, 
to be accepted, to, be, to feel like we belong, that we are valued, that we are valuable to somebody. I encourage you to say right now after me, God loves me. Go on, God loves me. Or to say, God chose me. God chose me. Or even God sees me as faultless. What incredible words they are to us. What incredible truth they are to us. That we can now relax and know that God loves us and we can stop trying to earn his love, to earn his care for us, his kindness for us. That's the God who we serve. That's amazing, isn't it? That even before time began, he loves you, he chose you, and he sees you as faultless. So God says in verse five, if we go back to Ephesians one there, I mean, I think we could just stop there. That's some beautiful stuff right there. But if we go to verse five and carry on, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. I mean, that's stunning, isn't it? That we give God great pleasure, great pleasure. That's amazing. God doesn't just make do with us. He doesn't just see us as projects to be managed and handled, uh, challenges to be sorted out, um, you know, a file to be put into a filing cabinet. God sees us as people that give him great pleasure. That we're part of his family. He's pleased about that. You know, he's celebrating our connection. He's not seeing us as a, oh no, it's more work to be done. It's a bit more of a problem I've got to cope with. You know, when we turn up for prayer, when we say, God, we're here, we want to talk to you and we turn up, he doesn't try and turn the lights off and hide behind the sofa and pretend he's not in. He's not that kind of family member. He delights in us. He takes pleasure with us being there. He throws open the door. He welcomes us in because we give him great pleasure. So much truth here in this word, isn't there? Moving on to verse six. So we praise God for the glorious grace, his unmerited favour. We could talk about grace for a long time. For the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I mean, this is fascinating. Paul is talking about freedom, but he's under house arrest. He's anything but free. He, he is restricted. He is limited. He is held in. But he is declaring that he is choosing freedom. Because this reveals how Paul sees the world. The Paul doesn't see the world as his reality around him. He sees his world as what God has promised it will be. He's choosing to look through the eyes of faith. He may not be physically free right now, but in Christ he is free. In Christ he has full freedom. And we need to declare to ourselves, we may not feel free, we may feel isolated, but we are fully free at this time if we know Christ, that he has chosen us, he has called us, and through the blood of his son Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, we have freedom. Paul wasn't free on earth at that point, but he was free in the sense of he knew that God had set him free. 
And the same with us. Our present reality may affect our moods, it may affect our circumstances, and may, may challenge our way of thinking, but it should never affect our future hope and faith in God. It's just our present experience. We may be living in lockdown, but we can flourish in isolation if we act as if we are free and we know who we are and we're set free by Christ himself. How can we change our thinking and our circumstances? Paul's words there, it's like we are full of grace and it is showered and it is, you know, what's the phrase he used there? The grace is poured out on us. It's rich in kindness. He has purchased our freedom, showered us with kindness, along with wisdom and understanding. There is some incredible truth being, you know, extravagantly uh, dropped all over us in the way that Paul is describing it there. We must remember that we have been showered with kindness. We have been had grace poured out upon us. And our circumstances may tell us one thing, but the truth is much greater. And we need to live in the heavenly realm, to live in the space of knowing that God is bigger than what we're facing right now. Anyway, I can get carried away. Uh, let's get on with this. Uh, verse 9, uh, get back to the text here. Uh, Ephesians 1 verse 9. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfil his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything, everything in heaven and on earth. God's revealed this plan to us. God's got a plan, people. God has got a plan. It's good news. God has a plan. And in God's plan and in God's timing, everything, I mean everything, that doesn't mean some things, it means everything means everything. Underline the every, everything will come together under God's authority. Ultimately, God's plan is he'll be victorious. He'll be Lord of all. He will, he will be the God of everything, heaven and earth. Our Christians have often separated. N.T. Wright does some great talk around this. He says uh, Ephesians 1 verse 10 is one of the most significant verses in Ephesians because it's something we often misunderstood here about Christians. We've separated heaven and earth. We've seen them as separate entities that we, we live on earth now and one day we will live in heaven. That heaven is a future event, future activity, future place, and earth is this place right now. That somehow heaven has got nothing to do with us today, and the earth is just a temporary waiting room. You know, we're not here for long. And that kind of mentality, that sort of separation is, is not biblical. It's a worldly thinking that makes us want to push God. You, God, you stay in heaven and we'll have earth. And then one day we'll transition from earth to heaven and we'll switch and we'll be over there and we can then enjoy being in heaven. Rather than living our lives right now here on earth as we would in heaven, to worship God as we would in heaven, to treat people the way we would one day in heaven, to be the same, to be consistent. Heaven and earth is joined once and for in the future, but also in the present. And this is what Paul is saying there. You know, as, as followers of Christ, through the power of Jesus, we need to live that way. We are robbed every time we live on earth separate from heaven. Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. Underline the is, as it is in heaven. It's not just um, as it will be in heaven, as it's going to be. Heaven and earth exist at the same time. And we need to learn to live as heavenly beings in earthly bodies. How do we live our every day? And that's why we have responsibility to care for our earth. This is not a piece of cosmic junk we're just walking around on, we're just existing on, that one day we're going to bin that somewhere. We're going to offer our, our beautiful spiritual future in heaven as Christians and we're going to have us, you know, pull up the ladder and let go and move on to spaceship heaven and we'll be fine. We've got to find a different way of caring for our earth, but living with a heavenly mindset. Paul is saying, don't compartmentalise your lives. Live in both. Bring heaven to earth. Live as this, as if now is our permanent home and invest as we would do and, and, and leave legacy for other people. This is not a temporary accommodation. This is something where we combine both heaven and earth. It would change all of our thinking if we put together into a daily pattern, heaven and earth in our normal activity. How are you doing? Everyone okay so far? Good love stuff. Yeah, do comment. We'd love to hear from you. Now, do get in touch. That'd be fantastic. Amazing. So far, so good. Right. We're cracking on here. We're doing well. There's a lot of good stuff in this. I know we've got so much richness in Ephesians. If we now jump to verse 11. Um, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. It's his plan again. We've got back to his plan. He's going to make everything work out according to his plan. Not to our plan, to his plan. God's got a plan. We, we are not bought by Jesus here. I want to point out this. We are united with Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus didn't just pay for our sins and give us access to heaven and to God the Father. God sees us as united with Christ, as alongside Christ. He sees us through the lens of Jesus Christ, that when he looks at us with our errors and our mistakes and our disappointments and our frustrations and our anger and our sin and our mistakes, he doesn't see that. He sees us, remember, as faultless, as chosen, as loved, because he sees us through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ. He sees us as united. We are one with Christ together. We receive the full inheritance that Jesus receives. We don't have a secondary option. We don't have the not so good, um, you know, sort of lesser level of inheritance. We share the inheritance with Jesus Christ. And God gives that to us. It's his plan. Well, we've talked about his plan a couple of times already, and I want to make this point. And sometimes I think at times of crisis like we're facing right now, people make some of strong statements, you know, of what God's going to do for them and what God's spoken to them about. And I understand that it's a good place for that. But I think also we need to be looking to what is God's plan. And, and rather than just kind of carve out our own selfish desires and needs right now, to be saying, God, what's your plan in all of this uncertainty? What's your plan? What's your purpose? What's, what are you putting into place? Lord, we're not enjoying this scenario right now. There's some challenges we're facing right now, but what is your plan? How can we align ourselves in your plan? When we look on the news and we see what's being challenged by other people around us, what's your plan? How do we align with your plan in this place? God, help us, we pray. 
Help us to discover that plan. I want to say to you today, if you want to benefit from God's inheritance, stick with his plan. We're all going to participate in the inheritance of God. But if you want to fully benefit from the God who loves you, chose you and sees you as faultless, then find out what his plan is and do everything you can to stick with it. This is definitely life will be easier when we align ourselves with God's purposes. You know, things go wrong when we try and live lives our way, try and do things the way that we think is best, trying to set things up the way we prefer things to. But the times we stop, we pause and we look and say, God, what is your plan? I want to walk your way. That's always going to be the best solution for all of us. He has a plan and it's going to be a much better for all of us if we stick to his plan rather than try and persuade him to manage our plan on our behalf. Okay, we're going to run out of time, see, I know, and there's a lot of stuff here to consider, but uh, verse 12, verse 12, we're going to carry on here, verse 12 says, God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. The good news is that God saves you. Gentiles are people who are non-Jewish people. Um, when they've heard the truth, the good news is that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. This is more great stuff. I mean, this is really significant for me. This is the stuff around the Holy Spirit. This is, this is God's guarantee. If you're not sure whether you're a follower of Christ or not, then look out for signs of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. It's, it's God's guarantee. It's, this is not some sort of charismatic extra. This is a gift. The, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that conquered the grave, lives in each one of us if you choose to follow Jesus Christ. You have the Spirit living in you. You know, it's like when you when you buy an expensive piece of jewelry, jewelry or, you know, a necklace or a ring or, anyway, I've heard this, that the inside the metal, they have stamped a hallmark that is a guarantee of its authenticity, of its value. And what Paul is saying here in this writing, he's saying, if you're a follower of Christ, then you carry the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your hallmark. It's your guarantee of who you are and whose you are. The Holy Spirit is the hallmark that you belong to God. That's good news, isn't it? And yet, as Christians, we so often try and live without the Holy Spirit. We don't try and keep in step with the Spirit. We save the Holy Spirit for a Sunday. You know, we'll bring out the Holy Spirit for a Sunday opportunity. We, we maybe think the Holy Spirit is for our prayer meetings, for our charismatic, crazy dance routines, or it's for flag waving only. We have all these different kind of theories of what the Holy Spirit might be, but the Holy Spirit is meant to be an everyday activity. It's part of our guarantee of who we are. It's a badge that we are His. It's a certificate of authenticity. It's proof. It's proof of our authenticity, of who we are. That why would you want to be a follower of God and not have the comfort or the confidence that you belong to God? And the Holy Spirit is just that. It is the, it's the absolute guarantee, the hallmark that we are one with him. You know, in every great cop movie, the police come into a room and they show their badge to authenticate themselves. They say, this is who I am. 
Here's my identification. The Holy Spirit is your identity badge. It reveals who you are. It shows that you are a follower of Christ. You may feel isolated and alone, but you are not isolated and alone when you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And if you're a follower of Christ, that Holy Spirit is your guarantee that God is with you, that he will not leave or forsake you. God's given us the Holy Spirit as our comforter, or as the Greek says, a, a paraclete, which means helper, advocate, one who gets alongside us. We are identified as his the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That's incredible, isn't it? There's so much more here. I'd love to carry on, but I'm aware that time is running away with us. And I want to just wrap a couple of things up for us, if that's okay. Um, so I was hoping to get further few. I haven't managed to do that today, but maybe next week we can carry on here. So what, what can we learn from this in the last just a couple of moments? Um, how can we flourish in isolation through what we've learned today from Ephesians chapter 1? Number one, I want you to remind yourself, firstly, that you are loved, you are chosen, and you are faultless. Something you need to write that somewhere. God says before the time began that he loved you, he chose you, and he finds no fault in you. That you can remind yourself of that truth. Secondly, I think nothing we can learn here is that God has a plan, and it includes heaven and earth coming fully together, not living here on heaven, uh, not, not living here, sorry, on earth, hoping one day to get to heaven, but we live fully connected. Our spirit man and our earthly person joined fully together. That's God's plan, that we live it out that way. We follow his ways, heaven and earth, all as one in one go. And then lastly, you may be living in lockdown, but you can live free in the Holy Spirit, knowing it's a hallmark of your identity. So three things for us. Remind ourselves we are loved, we are chosen, we are free. Secondly, um, we can tell ourselves that God has a plan, heaven and earth combined right now in this moment. And thirdly, we can live free in the Holy Spirit. I hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, Let me just quickly pray for us as we bring this to a close. God, I praise you for the glorious grace that you have poured out on each one of us who belong to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your rich kindness, your grace, that you purchased our freedom with the blood of your son and the forgiveness of our sins. I pray, Lord, today that our hearts, everyone watching, myself, our hearts will be flooded with light so we can understand the confident hope that he has given to us. And I also pray that each one of us will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for all who believe in him. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.